Hey, I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. Hope you enjoy the message. All right, we're in the series of questions God asks. Questions God asks. Next week, we'll actually, we'll be putting a bow on this series. It'll be the last one. And then we'll be launching into our Christmas series after that. Um, there'll be new We Read uh, bookmarks. There you go. Word. Oh, good. This is, we're off to a great start here if I can't think of the word bookmark. Going to do well. Lord Jesus, help me. Uh, all right. So um, we're going to have new We Read uh, Christmas bookmarks out in there for next Sunday. And that will start that Monday and go through Christmas. So that'll be a blast to be a part of. Um, if you are wondering what the We Read stuff is, we have We Read journals out in the lobby uh, each week, Monday through Friday. We have different scriptures that we are reading together as a church. And on Sunday, I generally pick one of those uh, days out and kind of expound on it so that we're all going through that journey together corporately as a community going through the scripture together. It's been an amazing, amazing, amazing journey uh, to be a part of, and I hope you would join us in that. Uh, this week, I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit through the whole week uh, because it's really hard to drill in on one of them. And so what we're talking about, the question that is posed this week is who will go? Who will go? We've asked all kinds of questions. Why are you weeping? Uh, who are you looking for? Who told you you were naked? Uh, all kinds of different questions through this whole series, but today is who will go. It's a question posed by God to, uh, well, Isaiah apparently is around, but who will go for us in this moment? Isaiah 6, verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And then the rest of his life was perfect. No one ever tells you what happens in the rest of Isaiah. I've been a pastor or in ministry for 22 years now. I've never heard a message on what happens after Isaiah said that. Whatever youth convention you go to, whatever, whatever uh, church camp you went to as a kid, whenever you go to a, a conference, wherever that is, you hear this. Then the voice of the Lord said, whom shall I send and who shall go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. All right, everybody to the altar, we're going to pray. Woo, who's going to go for Christ? Oh, all these kids run forward. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Don't tell them the next part. Isaiah's life sucks. With, in the, the most spiritual way I can say that, it's tough. The next guy we talk about is Jeremiah. Do you know what Jeremiah's favorite hobby was? Getting thrown in cisterns which is a big, basically water and mud pit that the, because it's a desert in Israel, they would dig a hole and cover it over. And so there's only a little, they build these irrigation channels where the water could go in and will so dry there that usually the cisterns were empty. And so Jeremiah will, keeps on running his mouth about how God said, hey, stop screwing up. You're gonna, bad things are gonna happen. Now, I don't wanna listen to this guy because that's what we do when people give us wisdom. They take him, throw him in the cistern. He's still yelling up, hey, you hear me? This is what happens when he says, when God says, hey, who, who, who wants to go? Oh, pick me. You think of another guy we, we, we read about Noah this week. 
This is the greatest volunteering message of all time, right? Um, <laughs> we think we read about Noah. And we think about Noah, we're like, whoa, Noah! He was obedient, had this great story. He gets an ark. This is amazing. He watches the whole world die around him. Not just like some serious trauma points, right? He was having some issues, some stuff, some things. But he's obedient in this. Okay, I'll do it. He faces ridicule and, and judgment and people around him pointing and laughing. What are you building a boat for? We don't even know what a boat is. It's never rained before. Like, this is how far out he's going to be obedient to God. And it's, it's amazing. And we glorify these moments of obedience and glorify these moments of, of following after God. And we absolutely should. The, the dedication of Jeremiah and Isaiah and Noah to continue to put, persevere and to go through all this nasty stuff that they, they went through. But for some reason in our head sometimes, we get this idea, who, I, who will go for us? Send me. Woo. Everything's going to be hunky-dory now, right? Ooh, he didn't get the memo. Life gets, there's, a, there's challenges in this moment. There's challenges in being obedient. There's challenges in walking with God. There's difficulties in it. And so... What does it look like when we have those challenges? What does it look like when we're hesitant to say, yeah, I'll go, send me? But if you ask Jeremiah and you ask Isaiah and you ask Noah, how was it? It was tough, but it was amazing. If we get to go have a conversation with them in heaven, say, how, how'd this go? Well, the whole cistern thing, I got real pruny. It was not fun. You know, I don't, I don't know what that, that conversation is going to be like, but I, I know that they are thankful they're obedient to God. And we, as, as descendants of who they are, of their lineage of faith, we get to be recipients of their faithfulness. In our lives and who we are, we are called at different points in different moments in different seasons that God whispers in our ear in a certain meeting, maybe in a church service, um, maybe in our car, maybe in a quiet time, maybe when we're reading the scripture, he whispers in our ear, who, who will go for us? And do we have the courage and the obedience to say, here I am, send me. Because in that moment when God asks, who will go for us? He is also simultaneously saying into your heart and into your ears, you were made for this. And how often in our lives do we go through our daily lives, do we go through our work, do we go through our family life and be like, there's got to be something more. There's got to be something more. There's got to be something that gives me more fulfillment than this. There's got to be, ugh. The phenomena of quiet quitting, just doing the bare minimum just to get through your day. I watched the very spiritual film, The Office, this week for a little bit. And it's like he invented quiet quitting. He's like, yeah, I show up 15 minutes late. I come through the side door so my boss doesn't see me. Uh, I do about 15 minutes of hard work a week because that's the bare minimum that's going to get me through my day. His bosses are like, well, tell me more about that. And it's a very, 
you've never seen The Office, it's an interesting uh, film. But anyway, it, it's this idea, but I feel like that mentality is something sometimes we bring to our lives and we bring even to our Christian walk. And I'll get news for you. If you follow the scripture and you look at these guys who are following after God who say, yes, send me, their lives are anything except boring. They have mission. They have purpose. They have fulfillment. They have excitement. They're doing what God has called them to do. And so I know sometimes I'm, we'll be in a meeting or I'll be in a meeting or uh, you know you've, you've been these kind of places where everyone has come up with really great ideas. Like every single person has got these fantastic ideas. Like that's an amazing idea. Someone should really do that. Yeah, someone should really do that. And you get to the end of the meeting, you're like, okay, who's going to do it? And it's Bueller, 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 crickets, right? No one's signing up. And everyone, and somebody in that room has got the voice of the Lord speaking into their ears saying, who will go for us? You were made for this moment. Yeah, but I got like a turkey in the oven and that thing and my kids and I got a little debt problem. I just, I just don't have time for that, Lord, in this moment. And the excuses start rolling up and they start blocking and they start helping us recede farther and farther and farther away from God, what God has called us to do. And then we find ourselves never speaking up, never stepping out, never being obedient in these moments. And what is happening is we are missing out on the whisper of God saying, you were made for this. He doesn't say, I got the easy road for you if you just do this. That's not the promise. The promise is you were made for this. Who wants to go for me? And so many of us, we seek, and I fall victim to this. I love my lazy boy just as much as the next guy. We seek comfort over calling. Someone should write that down because that was pretty good. We seek comfort over calling. I loses its effect if I have to call out one of the notes or should be. Uh, we seek uh, comfort over calling. I know we're all victim. We're all guilty of this. We are creatures of this. Uh, we were talking about this in, in, uh, in our Monday night uh, We Read Life group this week. That we, we seek status quo over whatever else is put out there. But in your life and, and in how you are living, and if you feel like something's missing, like something's just not adding all the way up, I wonder if comfort has a higher priority for you than calling. And if we follow Jesus and we've given him our whole life, our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole mind, and our whole strength, the calling part should have a way bigger priority than our comfort. So do we seek calling over comfort? This time of year, it's very easy to start <clears throat> pruning away the things in our life. Um, Christmas, for me, I have some tra Christmas trauma I carry. Anybody else have Christmas trauma? Not necessarily a bad 
Christmas, but the calendaring of Christmas trauma. I once worked at a church where it was expected for, uh, I was not the senior pastor, so don't be like, well, Jared, you made the calendar. No, I was the, I was the underling in this situation. And I worked at a church in which we had a pastor's open house for five days consecutively, um, it's just the week before Christmas. From six to nine o'clock, we were expected to prepare the food, do all the things, be there every night. And so that might sound like a fantastic idea for y'all. That'd be great. Let's go hang out with this. Get, everybody in the church would sign up for an hour time slot, and they would come and hang out, and then they'd go home, and we'd stay there. Well, can you tell that the senior pastor was an extrovert, and, uh, and the rest of us were like, oh, good Lord. <laughs> this, is, this is draining. And so Kelly and I, uh, and the spouses were expected to be there. And so Kelly would get home from work, and I'd be like, all right, you're late getting home from work. we got to go to this thing. And she's like, the thing. we got to go to the thing. And so we would have a fight Monday through Friday the week before Christmas. Because why am I doing this? And so we'd be yelling at each other, and not really yelling, but uh, the decibel level would be a little more elevated than usual. Let's just say that. And we'd pull into the driveway of Pastor's house, and we'd get out and have to be like, switch it on. Hey, so glad to see you. Merry Christmas. Kelly, this is in Georgia, and Kelly's already upset. There's no snow. It's not cold. The, there's still leaves on the trees. It's not Christmas. It's thinking on it even though <laughs> I'm wearing short sleeves out here, right? It's not Christmas. Realize now that happened 16 years ago. I still, if someone says, hey, Jared, you want to have a party at Christmas? You want to come over in this month of December? I'm like, no. No, 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 no. Because my trauma is speaking, right? It's my trauma. I guard December. You come to me and, you're, and I, I look at the calendar, the church calendar. I'm like, no, we're not doing it. Jared, there's one party in the month of December. It's a little bit too much. Because, why? Because of something that happened 16 years ago really caused some problems. I'm like, I still deal with the anxiety and the pressure and like, <gasps> all the things. So I operate out of past Trauma, not present, calling. And in our lives, I know that we're guilty of operating out of past trauma and not operating in our present calling. Now, here's the deal about past trauma. It is real. It has power in our lives, all that stuff. Yes. However, often that past trauma is exactly what Jesus has paid for, what Jesus has redeemed you from, what Jesus has given you mercy from, what Jesus has given you grace from, and you are a new creation restored from whatever your past has in store. And so when we act out of the past trauma, we're saying, ah, grace is cool and all, but it's really good for Hunter. It's not good for me. And so one of the major ways to get through that I'm finding in my own issues and my own stuff is to name it, to say, oh, that is the big hairy thing that causes me problems. And until I identify it, name it, and say, put, I'm going to put you in the corner because you don't belong here anymore, then I can start to get a handle on it. But when I just let it float around in the ether and I let it just bang around in my soul and I haven't drilled down, I haven't done the yucky work to say, what is going on? Why am I acting this way? Why am I filled with rage with absolutely no reason for that? 
Why am I panicking when someone says, hey, Jared, you want to get together December 15th? No! When Kelly says, ah, Kendall's got a gymnastics meet on the, on the 17th. We got gift mark that day too. Ah, two things one day. Oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Folks, it's Christmas. It's okay. There's this thing called automobiles. You can drive from one thing to the next. It's possible. Right? And so I make fun of myself in this so that I deflect your trauma, and you can just be like, oh, it's Jared's problem. It's not your problem. But hey, you got this issue, not necessarily with Christmas, but with stuff. We all have like COVID trauma in our lives. We have this stuff before. Life was so busy before COVID, and then we hit those eight weeks where we weren't actually allowed to hit, leave our houses, and all of our kids' sports stuff got canceled, and all these things happened. We're like, oh, it's so nice not to be so busy. And so we came back out of COVID, and all of those things started piling right back up. We're like, no, I'm not going to be as busy as I was pre-COVID. And so what have we canceled? What have we stopped? We stopped going to church. We stopped giving to church. Y'all still take everybody that goes to sports events. Everybody's still involved in PTO. Everybody still does all the fundraisers. Everybody still works just as much, if not more. Everybody commutes all the time. But the one thing that we could cut from our calendar is going to church. Now, this is not just a water's edge thing. This is a country thing. Before COVID, people went to church 1.8 times every four weeks was the average. That's what I thank you for your scowl. I appreciate that. Uh, 1.8 times before you're like, how do you get a 0.8? I understand. It's weird. Maybe you cut out early too many bathroom breaks. I don't know. But uh, 1.8 times every four weeks. That was an average church attendance goer before COVID. After it's 1.8 times per nine weeks. Think about that. What changed? Absolutely nothing. But as I thought about this week and I thought about our, how we are pressing into God and how we deal with the time crunch of our lives and how we deal with all the busyness and we deal with all the things, the one thing that we thought we could cut out was church, our relationship with God. If I want to get that hour back of my life, I will just cut here. It's easier. I don't get fired from church. Well, you don't, I guess. We've seen this in giving as well. All of a sudden, finances get a little more uh, constrained. Inflation is real. The fears of that is real. But the first thing we cut is our obedience and our giving to church, giving to God. Folks, I hope you see that that's a problem. Our first fruits, our first talent, our first treasure, our first of our time should be given to the Lord not the leftovers. When we organize our life like church is an add-on, a bonus, a benefit, we miss it. When church is an elective, we will always miss the whisper in our ear As I think of how I orchestrate my life, how I am as a man, how I lead, how I want to lead others, how I want to lead my family, I want to be someone who has organized my life and so I never have to, to wonder, am I living my life 
for that calling that God has given. I want to have the fulfillment in what I do. And so I want to lovingly point to you, are you running away? Have you put so many trauma blockers up from what God has called you to do that you don't have space to say, here I am, send me? That it's basically physically impossible for you to be available and obedient to God because all your no's are already in place. Now, you may do this in church, and you may do this in your personal life. What are, and and how you can figure this out, you're like, I don't know if this applies to me. Fair enough. It might not apply to you. You may be just rocking it right now. Good for you. But what what is your response when someone asks, hey, would you like to go to a cup of coffee? What do you think about this, uh, going to this game, or this concert, this party? Hey, can we have a... Can I call you? What is your default reaction? If it's like, you're not, because you can be an introvert, you can be an extrovert. Here's the deal. People matter to God, so it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or extrovert. You got to love people. That's not a card you get to play. Mm, I don't have to love people today. I'm an introvert. That's, That's not how that works. Sorry. What is your default reaction? Because maybe you're like, sign me up. Where's this party? I love coffee. Where's, oh, I want to go. A game. Jimmy Bell invites me to, used to invite me to about two concerts a year. I've never been to a concert with Jimmy Bell. It, Jimmy used to leave worship here. Um, and uh, we're really close friends. I would go to the concert. I would actually rather drive to the concert with Jimmy and drive back home from the concert and Jimmy, I would rather just go to Starbucks. He could go to the concert. I'll hang out, have coffee and, you know, do whatever I want to do and then meet back up with him. That would have been a perfect night for me hanging out with Jimmy Bell. Why? Because Jimmy likes bluegrass music. And every concert that he ever invited me to was a bluegrass concert. Now, you guys are like, I want the invite to the bluegrass. Maybe. That's fine. I'll direct him your way next time. But I I never wanted to go to this concert. I was like, I want to be with you, but I don't want to do that thing. One time, Jimmy said, hey, I'm coming to pick you up. We're going. So where are we going? I wound up at a NASCAR race. So that was cool. I'm I, not a NASCAR fan. They go one way. They only turn one direction. Good for them. Uh, not, not a thing. Uh, got the wrong house. Or Kelly probably would have enjoyed it more than me. But I did think that the sound of the engines was pretty cool. All right. So there you go, Paul. I did think that was pretty cool. But um, anywho. But, I, but going there, what I enjoyed more was the drive to the place, being with the person, and the drive back. How am I obedient to that? Because sometimes we just, obli- just obligatory say, no, 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 close off, close off, close off, close off, close off. You hear things like, hey, decorate for Christmas. Ugh, I'm too busy. You're not too busy this morning. Shut up. Wasn't it the Bears are going to get knocked out of the playoff picture today? Like, just chill out. That was mean, wasn't it? I know. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, it was hurtful, Jared. We've got, but we we come up with those because we're we're used to our Sundays being so busy. We're used to our Mondays being so busy. We're used to whatever at Christmas time being so crazy. Like, folks, we've got to recalibrate that. I'm not telling you to fill everything up, but the things that you should be cutting is not things of God. 
And you got to find your thing of God, whatever that is. It may be gift mart. It may not be gift mart. It may be Christmas decoration. You're like, this is not, I can't do that. But if you have working hands and feet, Christmas decoration is for you. <laughs> so there you go. Mom gets out of it. All right. <laughs> so, and she still will be here. Um, how are we organizing our lives? How are we doing this in obedience? Are we being obedient in it? Those are some tough questions. Those are some hard issues that we have to deal with. And because we, once we start giving ourselves these excuses, we continually give these excuses because the excuse worked last time. Just like a kid does with a parent, right? One of my children who will stay nameless, once they figure out an excuse worked, they will use that excuse, boom. And then if that excuse doesn't work, they'll go to the second excuse that's worked. And they go third, and then the fourth. He's nameless. He's nameless here. Uh, and he goes, because he's a stinking genius, but so he knows how to work the system, right? But we do the same thing. Once we figured out, oh, that excuse worked. It got me out of this. Now I'll go to the next one. Okay, we'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we keep on going through it. And what we do is we block ourselves out of the obedience of God. What we do is block ourselves out of the creativity of God. What we do is we block ourselves out of hearing the voice of God saying, you were named, you were made for this. And there's a lot of empty Christians in the world. And there's a lot of empty Christians I know in our church. We haven't found our thing. We don't feel empowered. We feel frustrated. We feel like something's missing from our faith. And what we've done is we've provided so many excuses that we're missing God whispering in our ear. God asks, who will go? What does that mean for him? How does that work? He asks, who is available? Not who's the most talented, not who's got the right education, who is available. All throughout the scripture, some of the people that God chooses and picks in scripture are absolutely, yes, humanly the perfect person to be that guy. Some of them, everyone was probably thinking, Lord, are you, did you let an angel make this decision? Like, this is not the what I would, you know, Peter, really? Paul, got it, okay. And we go through that. Who is available? Second thing, who has the right posture and positioning to be the person in this moment? So what, we've talked about posture and positioning for the last three weeks. Who, what is our posture towards God? What is our positioning in this moment? And what I mean by this is kind of like you have two three-year-olds and one's running and hiding and one is waiting for you. Maybe you have the person you have to beg to pay attention. You have to beg for their attention. You have to beg for, you have to arrange the stars so that it all works out. Or you have the person that's ready and willing and able There's a difference in posture and there's a difference in positioning. And finally, who is willing to actually go?
And if we ask this question of ourselves, maybe you write it in your journal, you start thinking about it this week, spend some time. Where have I been asked to go? And I said no. Then you can ask a question, have I heard the Lord ask me to go? Say that a different way. When was the last time I heard God say, who will go? And if your answer is, I've never heard that, we got to work back on our positioning and our posture because we are all uniquely called for something. You are all uniquely created for something. I have no idea what it is. What you may be called for may not even be on my radar. How you are constructed because you have your own stuff, your own issues, your own spiritual gifts, your own past, your own future, you may have an amazing thing planned for you that I have. I just, I'm going to be a cheerleader. Go, go, go. That's what I'm supposed to do in this moment. Because I believe Ephesians 2.10, for we are all God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared when? When he was surprised by us? He prepared in advance for us to do. We will always have excuses on our availability. Always. There will always be another event. There will always be another car rider line we got to be in. There will always be a different situation. There will always be a bill that needs to be paid. There will always be something going on. Don't let the excuses outshout the voice of God in our lives. May we hear this week the voice of the Lord say, who will go for us? May we hear this week the voice of the Lord speak into our ears, you were made for this. As we long for impact, as we long for influence, as we long for purpose in our lives, may we hear that from the Lord this week. This morning, um, y'all know this has been a I got this. This has been a time. And if you don't know it's been a time, my mom's dealing with some serious health stuff. And this um will be the last Sunday she'll be doing kids' ministry. Maybe ever. And that's a thing. So this morning, as we, as I think about this message, and I was trying to, I told the elders, I'm trying to make um, my messages not my personal counseling sessions. Because these messages, I'm like, it, Lord, get, stop doing this. Uh, this was planned nine months ago, and it's just kind of like, okay, God, you know things. But as we uh, go through this, I, 
when I think, and I call my mom my hero a lot, and I think you guys can agree with, with why I would say that. Um, this morning being probably her last, last Sunday in, in kids ministry, she's going in surgery tomorrow, if you didn't know. She's going to have her left leg amputated tomorrow morning, um, which is exciting because she's already got her right leg amputated. And this has been a, a long time coming. When I was five years old, um, the doctors wanted to amputate that leg. And because my mom is the most stubborn person in the history of mankind, she said no. Uh, and so she's had it for, what, 35 years, um, longer than she expected. So go mom. But that time has come to an end. But I'm going to unashamedly use her as an object lesson for this week. If I can. My mom, with all of her disability, with half the joints in her body replaced, and artificial, with the 67 surgeries, with a massive amount of pain, wakes up every day answering the question, who will go? And she will answer it, here I am, send me. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't know what it's going to look like. But here I am, send me. That legacy is absolutely amazing, and it's very profound and it cuts through all the stuff. It cuts through excuses. It cuts through issues. And I want to use that as I work so hard to figure out Lord, what in the heck is the purpose of this? As I, as I do that work, I know that part of it is the example of getting to see someone run this race with such class and dignity, stubbornness, and willpower, and by the grace of the Lord, that is modeled for us. And I hope that's not lost on us. I know it's not lost on me. It's easy to take it for granted. I know my mom's a superhero. Y'all don't. You didn't get to grow up with her. And so this morning, um, they're going to try to get her out of the back to pray for her. Um, good luck with that, Laura. Good, good. You can go do that now if you want to. Um, and we're going to pray for her. And so if you, if you don't know my mom, um, sorry, this is incredibly a personal moment. Um, and just know that we, we love our, our people very much. Um, the kids have prepared cards. And uh, there's a scrapbook and some beautiful stuff going on. And she wanted me to tell you all this morning. She was texting me this morning. Say thank you for... Um, 
the, the GoFundMe and the meal train and all the stuff that's going on, um, that was above and beyond not, nothing she's ever expected or uh, thought about before. And so she just wanted to say thank you uh, for all of that. Um, I want you all to, to really think about the idea of what it means to say yes to God. Here I am, send me. Because living with purpose, living with passion, living with calling far exceeds living a life of comfort. When we ask what's next, what's, there's got to be more. We, there's, 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 there's something missing in my life. I guarantee you it's probably because we've chased comfort instead of calling. When we look at Tina, there's someone who has subsided on lived on calling because it's not been health and it's definitely not been comfort but at the end of the day there's an impact there there's an impact of generations there's an impact and an impact and an impact people that she has ministered to that were little kids like this are now children's pastors And so, as we take this next step, I want us to think about that. Where are you at on that spectrum? What have you been saying no to that you know you need to be saying yes to? How do you need to quiet the voices, the excuses, the things in your life so that you can hear the voice of God speaking into your lives? Let me pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for these little ones. Oh, my goodness. Lord, we ask you to be with us. Lord, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this time. God, as we move from complacency or comfort to calling, Lord, that you would give us strength and courage and hope and that your spirit would fill us. That whatever that first step would be, that we would listen to your voice and say, here I am, send me. That we would listen to that voice, maybe for the very first time, and respond with, here I am, send me. Amen. Okay, so we were just like with the kids making these huge boxes, so we're just like, ah, <laughs> right now. <laughs> Lots of energy. <laughs> the Airbnb's so good. <laughs> but Tina and Ray, we just wanted to, um, we put together some cards and an album for you of your kids here. Um, and you could take that home with you guys just to look through that over this next 
season in the next couple months and um, just for notes of encouragement and just to look at when you're feeling down, just to feel the love of our church family pouring over you guys. And um, we'll just pray over you in this right now. And um, Laura, and then if any of the elders are here um, today, they can come up as well. Um, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, God, um, and we bring Tina before you, a.k.a. Silly Grandma. Um, <laughs> God, we spoke last week with the kids about Caleb facing the giants, and we just pray Caleb's testimony over Tina in this moment, God. You know she lives wholeheartedly for you, God, every minute of her, every day. Um, and we just lift her up to you and pray Caleb's testimony over her that she will um, have your help with whatever giant she faces, God, that you will just strike them down for her, God, when she goes into this next season. Um, when she feels down and discouraged, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will just fill her with words and encouragement that her heart needs at that moment, at that time. And we lift Ray up to you, God. We pray for strength um, and healing over his lungs, over his health, God, that he will have um, just his body's strength, God, to provide for Tina and to help her and to travel, Lord, that you will just pray. We pray for your protection over them, God. Um, and for Pastor Jared and Kelly, God, that you will just unite them and keep them just looking at each other, God, through this season and just be able to help and clear their busy schedules, God. Give them discernment of what they can put down, Lord, in this time. And God, we just know, we know this life gets hard, right? But we know you're by our side. And um, Tina's just a testimony to that, God, um, that you are always fighting for us and that you are always with us, God. And we know you will lead the way. And we just pray over the surgeons. We pray over um, David Rod, our God. We pray over the therapist, Lord Jesus, that you will provide the people that she needs, Heavenly Father, that will look at her how you see her, Jesus. And they will know exactly what she needs in those moments, God. Um, just be with the Hauser family, God, and as um, our church family can come together and just guide us on how we can help them and love on them, God, and that they can reach out to us and we'll be there. It's in your heavenly name we pray. Amen. Yes. Thank you, first of all, all of you. I got up this morning and I told her, right, no tears today. This is, we're going to be together, and yes, we are, because... As Missy prayed, I thought, you know what's coming inside me is scripture. Jared, I apologize for walking in on you as you're wrapping up your sermon. But when you said, send me, all of a sudden, it just I don't know what you preached from, but Isaiah hit me. And I love where Isaiah says, send me. And he goes, ooh, 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 yeah, me, me. Here I am, I'm ready. I don't know what you want. And that's the way I, <laughs> that's the way I feel this morning is, I have no clue what is ahead of me. And when you take the next step, mm, okay, not exactly going to be steps. But I serve the most creative God. He's got this beyond my imagination, beyond what I can even dream. I don't know how all the issues are going to be solved. I don't. I, I don't know how I'm going to get my tea ready in the morning. <laughs> you know, all the really important stuff. I don't know how that's going to happen. 
but I'm relying on the most creative God that Mr. Hood said last week. <laughs> Where were you? Where were you when I created all of this? Uh, never dreaming that we could be creative. Your assignment this week, along with me, is to claim Revelation 21.4. Okay? I'm not even going to tell you what it says. But Revelation 21.4, make note of that. And read it over on my behalf, will you? Because uh, this week, I'm getting rid of a lot of tears. All right? It may feel like I'm getting a lot, but I'm getting rid of a lot. Uh, and Ray is testimony to that. Um, every night, crying myself to sleep and all night long. Uh, and so, you are very dear to me. And these kids, there could not be a better way to walk into that surgeon in the morning saying, I was with 23 awesome kids yesterday who were learning about Jesus being born as their Savior. And that is the holiest calling on my life. And there's nothing better. He gave me 40-something years with these two legs that Jared reminded us he was Lucy's age when they tried to take this leg off first time. And it served me for all of these years. So I can't be anything but thankful. I, I have to be a person of gratitude. And I hope that you will walk alongside me as we serve him in gratitude, okay? Promise? Uh, nobody's going to. I said promise. You bet. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Oh, okay. If you want. No. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Great. Kids, get on out of here. Shoot. <laughs> Sorry, we just, uh, for the whole checkout process, we wanted to make sure we're, we're good. It's awesome. We got a ton of kids here this morning. All right. Oh, we didn't sing the last song. Well, I'm not singing. Uh, so, all right. Um, they're going to get there. I think they're all going to the back. So you, if you usually pick up your kid in the basement, you don't need to do that. Just go on to the back, okay? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you all the days of your life. You are dismissed. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe. And don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.